Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the If You Mark in Your Bible podcast. My name is Josh, your host, and today we are looking at Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Looking at that with us today is my my buddy and my another classmate, Matthew Sloan. He's the associate minister at the River Bend Church of Christ in Dalton, Georgia. Matthew, would you introduce yourself to our audience, please? Sure. First, uh, my name is Matthew Sloan, and uh, right off the bat, I want to thank you for having me on the podcast. Uh, I enjoy the the work you've been doing. Uh, I'm excited to see where this goes in the future. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Claire. We've been married for coming up on five years now. Uh, We don't have any kids yet, maybe sometime in the near future, maybe, if uh, Lord willing. Uh, But uh, as he mentioned, I'm the associate minister, Riverbend Congregation in Dalton, Georgia. I work alongside... Barry Greider, and uh, I mostly work with a, a college group that we have here. I do a little bit with the youth group as well. The college group is through uh, Dalton State University, uh, so I've enjoyed that. And then uh, I fill in the pulpit when I'm needed. It's just uh, been going really well. I, I've, in, I've enjoyed it. Good. Enjoyed listening to Matthew preach when we were in school. So excited to have uh, you on. And uh, again, thank you for coming on and dedicating your time. As we mentioned earlier, we are looking at Joshua chapter one, verses five through nine. Just a brief context, as usual, uh, before we get into it, Joshua, uh, Moses has died. Uh, The generation that fell to enter into the land of Canaan. Uh, because they believed the report of the ten spies rather than the report of Joshua and Caleb uh, has died off. And now Joshua is about to lead uh, the next generation into the land of Canaan, the promised land, which God uh, had promised him. And uh, you, we have to put ourselves, I guess, for lack of a better term, in the shoes of Joshua, uh, because he's about to replace uh, a a leader that was uh, beloved by all, and for the most part, a great leader, a great man of God. Uh, in fact, you look at the way Moses is referenced in the New Testament, uh, and you see that, that Joshua has some pretty big shoes to fill. So God's speaking to him, and, and uh, for lack of a better term, I'd say giving him a pep talk uh, in order to encourage him that he's going to be able to, to fill this role, which he was chosen to fill by God. Uh, and you look at the end of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses, I think Joshua would have been Moses' choice uh, to replace him or to succeed him, uh, but he left that choice to God, and God chose Joshua, and uh, I think that's a testament to the character of Joshua. Uh, so we come into verse 5, and before we read, I just want to make a note that this is a chiasmus uh, chiasmus is when uh, it's a literary form when you essentially say something and then you repeat it in the reverse order. Uh, and so we'll we'll get into it in more detail. But uh, essentially says, uh, "I will not leave you or forsake you." In verse five, he tells him to be strong and courageous. In verse six, he tells him to obey the law of Moses. In verse seven, and then so those are the three points. And then he repeats himself, saying, "Obey the law of Moses." In verse eight be strong and courageous at the beginning of verse nine, and then I'll never leave you uh, at the end of verse nine. So that's, that's what a chiasmus is. 
Uh, it's an interesting form. It's interesting to look at it. Uh, stresses emphasis. Uh, God's uh, making his statement and then repeating it, which shows us, uh, as well as Joshua would have received it uh, as important information, something you should listen to and, and pay attention to. So uh, without further ado, verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses. So I'll be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. What do you have there, Matthew? Right. Well, right off the bat, kind of what you were saying, uh, keeping in the context of, of you know, what is happening here for Joshua. I think that's really important when you start breaking down the verses, uh, because this is, is a big deal when you think about the fact that you know, Moses is the only leader that the children of Israel have ever known. You know, we, we're not to the point in the children of Israel yet when you have, you know, King Saul and King David, King Solomon. So Moses has been it thus far. And Joshua is going to attempt to fill those shoes, which are very large shoes to fill. And along with that, I can't help but imagine, you know, putting myself in Joshua's shoes, that he likely would have been dealing with a great bit of stress and a little bit of fear going into this role. And so as I was breaking down these verses and trying to think of like how I would teach this, um, I think that this would be a, a wonderful sermon geared towards anyone who may be in a stressful situation or anyone who may find themselves kind of going into a new chapter in their lives. Someone, uh, maybe a young person that's transitioning from, you know, high school to college or a person uh, maybe a young adult who is uh, just maybe having their first child or just anything, maybe a, an older person that's transitioning into a new job. Uh, these fears that we may have and stresses that we may have in our lives. And then notice what God says to Joshua. And I think what he says to Joshua is easily applied to us as well. Starting in verse five and six, I've kind of broken these down individually. But verse five, you basically get a promise from God. Says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. So I think that's important because God brings uh, Joshua's attention back to Moses. And he points out, you know, through all this time, all the wilderness wanderings, you know, uh, Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, these huge feats. God points out that that wasn't Moses doing those things. And it wasn't just him and his ability alone. It was because God was with him that Moses was successful. And so I think this is important that he, he brings that to Joshua's attention because Joshua may be having fear, you know, who am I to take up this mantle? But in reality, it's not him taking up the mantle. It's God still pulling the strings in the background. And you need to have faith that just as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you as well. So right off the bat, I think in verse five, we, we get a promise from God. Um, verse six, since you want to go ahead and go into that, uh, be strong and of good courage uh, for to this people shall divide an inheritance in the land, which I swore to their fathers to give them. So obviously, I, I'm sure you're going to hit on the whole be strong and of good courage uh, part. So I, I want to skip down to the, the latter part of that verse where it says, um, you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Here, I think what God is doing is drawing Joshua's attention back to the fact that God is someone who keeps his promises. 
the fact that Joshua is where he is right now. He is on the cusp of going into the land of Canaan and winning it for God and his people. And this is something that has been promised to God's people going all the way back to Abraham. And so this promise has been made to Abraham and to Abraham's sons and then going down, you know, it's been passed down son to son to the where you get to Joshua now. And he can think back to the times and the stories that he's heard from his his father and his father's father. And now realizing that he's the one that's about to fulfill this promise, that's evidence right there that God keeps his promises. So it kind of pairs in with verse five very nicely. Verse five, he makes a promise. Verse six, he gives evidence to the fact that he keeps the promises that he makes. Man, that is excellent. Uh, I like the fact that you brought up the stress that was involved with this because consider what they are about to do. When you when you think about it from just the big picture, this is a promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, uh, centuries before Joshua uh, arrived. And so this they would come out of Egypt one and the excitement of going into that land, leaving Egyptian bondage, going through the wilderness, even though they complain. But now you're on the, the brink of entering the land of Canaan. This is the promise God has made, and you've been the one put in, in charge of doing that. And, and you look at verse 6, for uh, the English Standard Version says, For you shall cause this people to inherit the land, which we'll touch on in just a minute. So you have this. This, this, this is what we've been waiting for. Joshua, you're the one uh, that's been put in charge of doing that. The other thing you have to consider is they've tried this twice, and it failed both times. Uh, they tried it once. Uh, when they sent the 12 spies in and then came out uh, and they, like we mentioned earlier, they took the word of the 10 spies rather than the word of Joshua and Caleb. So there's one failure. And then when they realized they messed up, uh, they, they tried to do what all kids do. Uh, usually when, when I tell my kids to clean their room uh, and they ignore me and then they get in trouble for not cleaning the room, all of a sudden they want to clean their room. So the children of, of Israel try to go in and conquer the land. We have faith in God and they failed uh, in doing that as well. So this is something that's been attempted thus far. Uh, and then three, you have to consider the fact that everyone with whom Joshua grew up and and lived with before this has died off. So this generation that he's leading in, uh, for lack of a better term, is a new generation. And so I uh, appreciate you bringing out the stress that would have been involved in it. You're absolutely right. Verse 5 is the promise uh, that God makes to him. He makes the point that he was with Moses uh, first. And, and I think that's a very valid point from the standpoint of this is the same God. Uh, the leader in, in Israel has changed, but the reality, from a human standpoint, but from the ultimate leader, uh, nothing's changed on that matter. Uh, and so, and I think it's interesting, God starts with the promise. He doesn't give Joshua the list of things he's supposed to do, but he begins with the promise. Uh, and I've underlined that phrase, just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. Uh, and I put Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, uh, because even though today you and I, as members of his church, uh, are called to lead the world, uh, lead the lost to Christ. Uh, it's the same God that led Moses, same God that led Joshua, same God that led David, same God that guided the apostles, and is the same God we, we're led by today. 
Uh, and he closed him and Jesus would say that in Matthew 28 verse 20, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the, the world, world there not being uh, a physical location, but the end of time. Uh, and so a uh, very good point. Uh, the phrase be strong and courageous that starts off in verse six, uh, three times mentioned in these uh, five verses. And usually when you have a phrase that's repeated over and over, it's usually something that you have to pay attention to uh, here. It's less about the character of Joshua that's being called uh, into question and more about his actions. Uh, and I think that word be is a, a strong word. Uh, be strong and courageous, which. Uh, it could have been a part of Joshua's character, uh, but his his actions are to be strong and courageous. And uh, and then this this you know I think you said you will uh, divide the land, uh, the English standard, and I think some of the American standards uh, say for you shall cause this people uh, to inherit the land. I think you see the value of leadership. Um, Joshua's going to do what Moses could not do uh, because of. Uh, his sin uh, and Joshua, if he's not strong and courageous, uh, then how can you expect the, the children of Israel who are looking to him for guidance uh, be strong and courageous? Do you have anything else on five and six? Yeah, I mean, if you just wanted to make application, I guess, to us today, uh, if, if, if you're dealing with a stressful situation or if you're a little bit timid about a new chapter that you're about to be transitioning in in your life, then I would say, as far as verses five and six go, you know, you look at the promises that, that God has made to us and how we can find comfort in that as well. I think of uh, passages like John 14, one through four, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, my father's house or many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if, and I go to prepare a place for you. And I, if I go to, uh, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. And where I go, uh, you will be there as well. And so uh, when I think about that and the stresses that we may have in this life, at the end of the day, nothing that we could have in this life, no amount of stress, no amount of hardship will ever make it to where that next life isn't as good, if that makes sense. Uh, the, the hardest time we will ever have as faithful Christians is on this side of eternity. So if we could just keep pushing through and rely on the promises that we've been given, just like, you know, God is giving a promise to Joshua and he, he gives him that promise so that Joshua can have comfort during this time. Well, we've been given promises as well. And so we can lean on those just as Joshua was to lean on that promise. And then uh, looking at verse six, how he gives him evidence of the fact that he keeps his promises. Well, we've been given evidences as, as well in the New Testament. I think about uh, Matthew chapter 10. Verses 29 through 31, where he talks about the price of the sparrow and how you can get two sparrows for basically the price of a penny in modern day terms. And how insignificant the sparrow was in, in money terms, monetarily. You know, they're, they're so plentiful in the first century that it was a very cheap source of food. And yet even the sparrow, with how insignificant it is, God knows when the sparrow falls. So how much more? Does he know us and care for us? And, and he knows the, the hairs on our head is what that, that scripture references. 
And so when we take that into consideration, that's, that's an evidence that we have that when we're going through stressful times, when we're worried about what this life has to offer, God is still thinking of us. You know, he, he thinks of even the insignificant things like the sparrows. And so how much more is he thinking of us in relation to things like the sparrows? You know, he's going to take care of us. He's going to keep his promises just as he kept his promises to Moses and he kept his promises to Joshua. That's excellent. Excellent. And, and again, from an application standpoint, I think you're absolutely right. The Hebrew author would quote this phrase from verse five. I'll not leave you forsake you and John or not John. I'm sorry. Hebrews 13 and verse five. And then he goes into verse six so that we may boldly say, I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Uh, and, and I think that's uh, a connecting point. I circled I will not leave you or forsake you. And I just drew a line to that, to that phrase, be strong and courageous. Uh, and that's why Joshua is being called to be strong and courageous, not because of anything Joshua is capable of doing, not because of anything uh, from a character standpoint uh, concerning Joshua, but the very fact that God is, is with him. And, and if doing so, same thing with us today. And like, and I, I'm, I, I appreciate you applying that because there are, milestones in our lives uh when you uh graduate high school graduate college get married start to have children and then even as you get older like myself when you get to the point where uh children are about to leave and children are embarking on their own challenges and all that um very good point matthew that that the principle still applies today uh and so i uh, appreciate you drawing that correlation you have anything else on those two before we move on i'm good go ahead and move on to to verse seven okay. uh seven and eight uh only be strong and courageous be careful to do according to all the law of moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. What do you have there? All right. So going back to verse five, uh, we went over the fact that God gives him a promise that he's going to be with him. Verse six, he gives him evidence that you know he's going to keep his promises because he's kept the promises in the past i think verse seven hits on a little bit of advice as to what joshua needs to do as far as you know if he wants god to keep his promises then there's a little bit of work that joshua has to do it's not just going to naturally come without joshua doing anything and uh first in verse seven he mentions the the need to keep the law of moses faithfully and not depart on the right or on the left. And again, I think it's significant that he's telling this to Joshua because Joshua was a very you know, firsthand witness to really the biggest fault that Moses had. And it was the fact that he did depart from the, the word of God on the right hand or the left, you know, going back to Numbers 20, that huge mistake that resulted in, you know, why is Moses not continuing to lead them today? It's not because he died of, you know, a heart attack or old age or anything like that. Uh, he was taken by the Lord. He died uh, still. I don't know if I would say in his prime, he was old, but he still had life to live. And yet he's not going into the land of Canaan 
as a consequence of the fact that he didn't keep the law faithfully or didn't keep the, the word of God faithfully. Right. And so he, he tells them don't depart on the right or left. And then he tells them how to do that. If you don't want to depart on the right or the left, then you need to know the law very clearly, which is verse eight. You need to meditate on the law. That's the only way you're going to avoid departing on the right or left. So these verses really go uh, hand in hand for sure. Uh, so verse seven, I would say, is the advice he gives if he wants to uh, get the promise that God has given to them. And then verse eight is the condition of which, you know, how he's going to uh, accomplish that. And it is by meditation upon the law. That's great. Uh, you're, I appreciate you bringing up Moses because uh, verse 7 of, of Deuteronomy 34, uh, his eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. So it wasn't that Moses was unable to lead them into the promised land because of health. It was his uh, the restriction God put on it or the prohibition God had put on it. Uh, I circled that word only in verse 7. Uh, and... Uh, and it, it coincides with the fact that it says, do not go to it the right hand or the left. Uh, and I think that's important to, to make note of is that you can be too liberal with your application of God's word, but you can also be too legalistic uh, with your application of God's word. Uh, and and um, my buddy, you know, when we were managing inventory for when I was managing inventory for a defense contractor, used this example, but uh, for lead times and all that, but it applies here too. Uh, if you're playing golf and you, you're approaching the green and you hit the ball, uh, if you end up 50 yards short of the green or you end up 50 yards over the green, you're still 50 yards from the green. You're still missing the mark. Uh, and, and I think that's something to keep in mind. We can be too strict in our application of God's word, we can also be very loose, uh, too loose with our application of God's word. There's, uh, and it's not difficult. It's not difficult to understand uh, where that line is. You just have to, like you mentioned earlier, be in the word. If, if you're familiar with God's word and you understand it and you study it, uh, then that's not, it's not difficult to hit the mark because uh, God doesn't make it that difficult. Uh, I put Joshua chapter 9 uh in this uh, because that's an example that's when uh joshua and the elders were swindled by uh the gibeonites uh, they were fooled and they made a, a covenant with them that uh they had to keep even though they they were told to destroy them uh but uh, they make that covenant verse 14 in that chapter specifically says they did not consult the lord uh, they made this covenant without god uh, as a part of it, and they end up having uh, a problem later on because of it. They put themselves in a situation they shouldn't have, and it ends up uh, reaping consequences later on. Uh, do according to all the law of Moses. Do not turn from it. I just underline those phrases uh, and, and want to stress what, exactly what you said. Uh, this is obedience. Uh, this is a condition that has to be met. It's advice that has to be met in verse seven. Like you said, verse eight, uh, I put Psalm one and verse two, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Uh, and that's the man who's blessed, who doesn't walk in the way, uh, of the ungodly or sits in the seat of the, the scornful or actually stands in the way of, of the sinner and, and sits in the seat of the scornful. 
but on his law doth he meditate day and night. Uh, and that's where prosperity comes. Uh, and so that's, that's what we put there. I also put, uh, circled the word then, uh, at the end uh, of verse eight, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. I circle both those words and just simply put prosperity and success come from knowledge and obedience of God's word. This, um, the prosperity from God is not a feeling that he gives us. It's not a mythical type of aura about us. It is knowing his word and obeying it and applying it. And going back to the idea that you made from a condition standpoint, uh, we can't just sit back and, and expect God to take care of it if we're not willing to do what we are required to do first. Uh, when you look at a covenantal agreement, there is an expectation from both sides that enter into that covenant. Israel had entered into that covenant with God. God's making the point in verse 5 that he would stay with them, but they have to uphold their end of the covenant. And I think this is an important point to make that uh, God never leaves anybody. God always stays where he's at. If anyone ends up abandoning the covenant and suffering the consequences thereof, it's because they have left, not because God has left. And so that's something one point. I also thought it was interesting that the word prosperous and success here in verse 8 uh, is almost never used in the Old Testament to talk of financial success. And I think that's important because I think we have prosperity gospels going around all the time. Uh, pray this, send money to this, and then God will bless you with more prosperity, more uh, physical possessions. And that's not really the case. What ends up happening is if we meditate on God's word, if we study God's word, and we commit ourselves to doing all that is written in God's word, uh, then we will achieve a state of holiness that God's provided for us. Uh, that's first, and you might make a modern day application to it. First, through the waters of baptism and then righteous living, uh, and then the second law of pardon when we do uh, forsake his law. Uh, but we can be holy as he is a holy, First uh, Peter chapter 1, Leviticus 19 and 20. Uh, and that's the goal for the Christian, it is not earthly prosperity, but to be holy as God is holy, to have that relationship with God. And like Jesus said, in Matthew 6 and verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first to be holy like God, and all these things will be added unto you. And that word added is important. Uh, holiness is the goal. Having that relationship with God is the goal. And as a result, everything else will be taken care of. It may not be taken care of the way we think. Uh, living holy may not get you the the 40,000 square foot house and the 20 cars in the garage, uh, but it will uh, have you taken care of from a contentment standpoint and will have you, like you mentioned earlier, I appreciate you mentioning John 14, an eternity with God, which is far better than anything here uh, earth can offer. And I'd really do appreciate the fact that what we're enduring right now is the worst 
that it could possibly be if we are righteous. Now, it could get worse if we're not righteous, but if we live righteously dedicated to God, then this or this life here is the worst it ever gets. It only gets better from here. So I appreciate you bringing that out. So what else do you have on, on 7 and 8? Well, I like what you mentioned about how uh, the if there's a separation between man and God, it's not God that did the separating. It's man that did the separating. I heard a good illustration that, that teaches that concept one time. It was about this, this older couple, uh, and the man was driving his wife in a, a single cab pickup truck, you know, like with a bench seat. It was like an older model. They're driving down the road, and they come up to a red light, and parked in front of them was a, a much younger couple in a similar style truck. Except the younger couple, the, the female was right in that middle seat, you know, as close as she could be to the, the man that she was riding with. And the wife of the older couple makes this comment, you know, that used to be us. You know, what happened to us? We used to have that, that spark within us. And the older man just leans over and he looks at her and he says, who moved? It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't me that moved. I've been in the driver's seat this whole time. It was the wife that had moved over time. Sometimes we think about uh, our, our spirituality in that, that same aspect. You know, uh, if we're not aligned with God, sometimes we're tempted to, to blame God, but it's never him that did the moving. It's always us. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also really like the illustration that you did with the, the, the golfing analogy. Because uh, one of the points I was going to bring up is, is just, you know, tying in some, some New Testament application with, with Matthew chapter 7 and uh, the different, you know, ways, the broad way and the narrow way. Um, oftentimes when people want to be a little bit more legalistic, I think the more legalistic people are, the, they associate that with being, you know, if they're more narrow minded, then they're more on the narrow way. When in reality, you know, both legalistic and liberalistic, both are on the broad way. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to, to see that, but we, we don't want to do that. We want to be more in the middle, you know, even bringing, you know, politics into things for a minute. You know, you don't necessarily want to be far on the right or far on the left. You want to be right in the middle and be a Christian. And sometimes when we bring politics into things, our, our Christianity is sometimes left at the door. But um, uh, I think that was just a, a really good point as far as verse seven is concerned. Uh, verse eight, as far as you know, how to accomplish verse seven, how do you not depart on the right or left? How do you stay on that narrow way that's mentioned in Matthew chapter seven? Well, obviously, you could tie in uh, what Paul wrote to Timothy in First Timothy. If you want to be approved unto God in First Timothy 2.15, there's only one way to be approved unto him, and it's to study. You study to show yourself approved unto him. And uh, you know, we all want to be acceptable unto God, but it takes work. It's not the case that, you know, it's just a, an emotional feeling that we can have. And as long as emotionally we're, we feel closer to God, that doesn't necessarily mean that we are. Again, Matthew 7, you look at the fact that uh, later on in that chapter, he references in, in verse 22, how many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name cast out many devils and, and done many wonderful works? You know, these are people that considered Christ to be their Lord and he, they reference him by name. But just because they consider Christ to be their Lord doesn't mean that they're acceptable unto him. He concludes by saying, only those who do the will of my father are acceptable unto me. And so just because we emotionally feel tied 
to God or emotionally we feel like we're faithful. Um, if we're not meditating upon his word, like we're told to do in First Timothy and like Joshua was told to do in the passage we're studying right now, if we're not meditating on it, then we're going to very easily depart on the right hand or on the left. Excellent point. Excellent point. And I think we should point out here that the expectation of God has never changed. Keep his, you know, know him, know his expectations and obey him. Uh, now, obviously, there's a difference between the law of Moses and the law of Christ. Hebrews will talk about that. But and when the rubber meets the road, it's obey what God has commanded you to do and he will remain. There's nothing uh, significant from that standpoint, same thing, the expectations that God had for Moses are the same expectations that he has for Joshua and the same expectations he has for us today. Even though we're not going in and conquering the land, uh, we still have been commanded by God to be strong, courageous, obey his law, know his law, meditate on his law, and then apply it. Uh, very good. Anything else? That's that's good for, for those two verses. Excellent. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What do you have there on nine? So again, I imagine the bulk of the audience that might be listening to this podcast is probably made up of, of preachers. So uh, if anyone wanted to preach this lesson, then I would say, you know, you go back to verse five, look at the promise. Verse six, look at his evidence and how he keeps promises. Verse seven, look at his advice on how to uh, be acceptable. Don't depart on the right or the left. Verse eight, he gives his uh, conditions that have to be met. And the condition that has to be met is to meditate upon his word. So it concludes in verse nine, I believe, with just a little bit of encouragement. You know, once again, those same that same phrase, be strong and courageous and do not fear. Do not be dismayed for uh, he's going to be with Joshua wherever he goes. So an easy you know, five point sermon uh, dealing with the stresses of life and anyone who may be going through, you know, worried about a, a new chapter in their lives. You notice the points that kind of spell out, you know, P, promise, E, evidence, A, uh, advice, C, conditions. And then last, you look at encouragement, E, it just spells out peace. I think that's exactly what God provides Joshua at this time. And it's exactly what Joshua needed. A time in which, you know, he's probably worried about what's going to be happening. You know, how am I going to uh, fulfill the, the, the requirements that, that Moses has been doing all this time? How am I going to be the spokesman for God to his people? And, and God just takes a moment. He says, you know, breathe and have peace because I'm with you. And be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you just like I was with Moses. And these are incredible words and words that uh, would be of comfort to anyone that's, you know, probably not in the same situation, you know, about to lead thousands of people. Uh, but in a, a stressful situation, for sure, this, these are, are great words to live by. Um, and this concept of, once again, being strong and courageous, I think those two words go very well together because mm -hmm. it's impossible to, to truly be strong without having a sense of, of courage. Look at uh, Daniel and his and his three friends, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and the fact that um, you know they they had strength in their faith for the Lord, but that strength 
wasn't seen until it was put to the test. And they were able to show great courage. You know, when those trumpets started to blow and they were supposed to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, um, you know, that was when their faith was able to be seen because they showed great courage. Likewise, you know, sometimes we aren't able to show our faith until it's put to the test, until we're going through stressful times. That's when we really get to show what kind of Christians we are. Are we only going to be Christians when, you know, the sun is shining, when everything is good? Or are we also going to be faithful when we are extremely stressed out in our regular life or, or worried about these new chapters that we may be dealing with? What are we going to do? And, and if we are following in the, the words of wisdom that God gives Joshua, we're going to be strong and courageous and not be afraid. So I, I really love this, this section. I think it's, it teaches a lot of really good principles, and uh, I've enjoyed uh, going over it. I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, this last verse. No, you're absolutely right. Um, and it, I like the acrostic uh, that you spelled out there. Um, I didn't see it coming until you started to spell it, which is great. Um, but I, I think you're right. First off, he books in bookends this section of scripture with what he's going to do, uh, which is always uh, an encouragement uh, to us. Uh, he says that phrase, have I not commanded you from a, uh, like a question standpoint, which is emphatic. Uh, and we want to point out that courage and strength is not a lack of fear uh, in the sense that um, people who act courageously may are doing it despite the fear, if that makes sense. And, and what I, what I mean by that is say just from a preaching standpoint, uh, if you're going to preach the word boldly and you're going to preach it uh, the way God wants it to be done, there are going to be sermons that a preacher preaches that he's not going to enjoy and he's not going to be comfortable preaching them, yet he does so anyway. And and I think we have to, because there's always a misconception, I think, around courage from the standpoint of there's no fear and that's not the case it's just uh that fear i don't want to say it's ignored but it's i don't know what the word i want to use is you push on despite it i don't want to say you adapt to it but but you continue on regardless uh and i think that's um and and i think there's like you mentioned earlier, the the stress and anxiety that might have been associated with what Joshua was doing. Uh, yes, God is encouraging him, but he's still going to probably go into those situations uh, that way. In fact, if you go to chapter 10 and verse 25, after uh, Israel conquers uh, five enemies and they have the five kings in the in the cave and they bring them out. Uh, Joshua tells Israel before he executes those kings, be strong and courageous. God will give you the victory if you uh, continue to rely upon him. I would argue Joshua led probably the greatest generation Israel ever saw in its history in to conquer that land. And I think that's a testament not only to what they witnessed as far as wandering the wilderness and seeing an entire generation have to die off before they could take it, but I also think it's a testament to Joshua and Caleb because these are the two oldest 
in the group going in and conquering the land. I think it's a testament to their leadership uh, that they had that confidence uh, and commitment uh, to God. You have anything else? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that point. Absolutely. It, the concept that being courageous doesn't mean that you're not going to be afraid. So you think about what they're about to do. They're about to literally go in to this unconquered land and face actual giants and the Philistine army, you know, to say that they weren't afraid at all is, is ridiculous. And, and there's times in which we're going to be absolutely afraid or at least, you know, fearful uh, to some regard at, you know, the different things that we may be experiencing in life, you know, going back to someone who's about to have their first child and uh, no doubt that would cause great fear or someone who's about to start a new job or, or someone who has friends that maybe aren't Christians and that conversation starts gearing towards that. And you know, you're about to have to take a stand and tell them what you believe and what you uh, confess to be the truth. That can be fearful. Uh, that can be, um, uh, it can be a cause to fear, uh, no doubt, but the, the courage comes in when you allow that fear to be placed on um, something stronger than yourself, which is really what God is encouraging Joshua to do. You know, it's not you. Yeah, I want you to lean on me and I will be with you during this time. Right. So yeah, I think you're absolutely right. No, that's a great point. And I'm glad you brought up that evangelistic standpoint of this. Uh, we just had Rob here, uh, Rob Whitaker here last weekend. Um, and one thing he stresses is let the Bible do the work as far as an evangelism. And if you're in a Bible study, I'm not going to tell you what I think. Show them, show them what the Bible says, show them what the Bible says. And I think that's, uh, like you were saying, it's, it's do what we're supposed to do and then trust that God's going to do what he's supposed to do. And from an evangelistic standpoint, do what we're supposed to do from an evangelist's standpoint, but let the word of God, it's quick and powerful, sharpening to his sword. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, let it do what it's going to do. Uh, and, and you and I can't say anything in a better capacity or in a better way than which the Bible's already said it. So let, let God's word do the work. Uh, and us just simply, uh, uphold what we're supposed to uphold. Very good point. Well, thank you, Matt. Matthew, appreciate sure. that. That was uh, that was great. Um, for those the, who uh, watch, topic. Do what? I appreciate the topic. It, oh, it's yeah. a good study. Well, and I just figured uh, with you know Joshua being the military leader and your military background, it probably uh, fit well. So, uh, and you did not disappoint. I appreciate that. Uh, for those who are watching, uh, like, share, subscribe. Appreciate your support. Uh, all our comment, all our communication and contact information is down in the notes. Thank you, and we will see you next time, Lord willing.